One of the most important people in the state of Alabama. Um, we're not really necessarily concerned about their ability to actually be a U.S. senator. To that end, it becomes more and more difficult to believe somebody when they when, when they tell me that they're really concerned about what direction the country is going in or really concerned about the quality of the leadership. When you had an opportunity, you just threw that all out of the window. To that point, the, one of the first things that Senator-elect Tuberville could potentially do as a senator is vote to undermine an election. All righty. Welcome in, boys and girls. Another fine episode of Alabama Politics This Week with Josh Moon and... David Person. That's right. Hey, it's uh, it's our getaway show uh, here. <laughs> That's right. Mm, uh, we're going to be like off that. for a couple of weeks. Uh, we promise we are coming back because all the bills have been paid, so we'll we'll be back. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, we are we're going to take off. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, y'all are traveling for for the holidays. Y'all aren't listening to us, and nor should you. I mean, the last person I'd want to listen to over the holidays is me, and I have to. You know, so you know that's no. uh now, do now I probably really would like, like to listen to David, but you know it's you know he's, how it goes. Well, uh, you're, you're so kind. Do 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 you think we really ought to be encouraging people to travel during the holidays? I mean, remember this is we're in a pandemic, so. Well, how are we? I mean, how, not, what's our I, position? I don't think I was. Was I encouraging? I wasn't encouraging. Well, you you were you were certainly suggesting that that's what people are going to be doing, and I think you're right. I think people are going to be doing that, but shouldn't we put a disclaimer in there about the fact that this is a pandemic and and you need to be very careful about you know if you're going to travel, you know if you're going to congregate, you know. Well, I think you just did. I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to tell you this. I'm so very disappointed. That when I logged, when you logged on here, you did not have on your suit uh, that you had on on that Facebook photo that you posted earlier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, because that was one mean suit you had on right there. And I like the I like the hair, the whole thing, man, especially for me. I really like the hair a lot. I the mean, fr- if, uh, yeah, the fro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I was probably 13. So that was probably uh, 40, what, 40. Four years ago, clad suit that I couldn't fit into. I probably couldn't even fit a thigh into that suit, let alone, <laughs> let alone a whole body. You know. Oh well, you know that's but how it goes, it was, man. I was uh, I, I was a real thin little dude uh, in uh, in high school, so uh, right. I understand. I understand exactly what uh, what you mean there. It, uh, there's a, there's a lot of things I couldn't fit into clothes back then. Uh, <laughs> Mercy. Hey, all right. So it's a it's been a, a fairly fairly light week, I guess, uh, especially around the around the state. I mean, we we have the uh, the rollout of the vaccine, uh, the COVID nineteen vaccine, which is great to see. Uh, you know, for everybody who you know has claimed at some point that some group here or there were, were rooting for the virus. Uh, you know, and, and all that, uh, I think I'm, I'm hopeful that the last few days of pretty much everybody, uh, the networks, uh, the people, uh, everybody cheering on this thing and making a big deal out of this virus going or this vaccine going out to, to stop this virus has put to rest, uh, you know, the idea that people were not, uh, you know, taking it seriously 
um, and and that people were not, uh, you know, this was some sort of a political, uh, politically motivated uh, fear that was going out. Uh, but you know, it's you know th- this thing has been terrible, and and so it's nice to see some light you know, coming, some actual light. Now they figured out that they've got more of this first Pfizer vaccine than they thought. The Moderna vaccine is about to drop, you know, here in a few days as well. And so, man, you know, hopefully we're going to start to get uh, the most vulnerable vaccinated. Uh, and at that point, you know, I, I think we can we can start to, to move forward again and, and get some things, you know, back to, to some level of normalcy. Well, I think you're right about the fact that this overall is a good thing for the country. But here's where it gets really tricky. I got a call just this morning from an older black man uh, for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect and affection. He's probably in his late 70s, early 80s. And he he said to me, uh, are you planning to take the vaccine. What's your position on that? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to take it, but it's going to, I'm going to wait, you know, I'm going to wait, give it some time to sort of play out in the general population before I do it. Right. I'm not going to be at the front of the line to do it. And, and so then he starts talking about the Tuskegee experiment, the infected blankets that were given to native indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts talking about the sterilization of black women that has been documented. Uh, uh, I think it was in North Carolina primarily, but maybe other places as well, mm-hmm. in the South especially. Uh, he, he also brought in the Bilderberg, uh, what is it, the Bilderberg Group or some, one of those uh, Northeast uh shadowy organizations like the Illuminati, the Bilderberg Mm -hmm. Group. And his whole point was, why should we, especially as black people, why should he and I and other black people trust the government to be doing anything that is in our best interest with the tainted history, especially as it relates to the government and medical treatment? Mm Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is the that's going to be the argument of a lot of people, because, you know, people remember, you know, we you know, in this nation, I think collectively in this nation, you know, we want to see ourselves as we would like to see ourselves or as you know, as we aspire to be. Mm-hmm. But the reality is many people, especially older black people and others, they're seeing what they live through. And the case is going to be a tough one to make with them and with many others who also look at history and say, uh, this government hasn't given me a reason to trust it. I, and I understand uh, that, that sort of, well, I can't, I, I, I say that. I, 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 I have empathy uh, there and I, you know, I, I can, I, I don't, uh, I never would discount what somebody says about their own personal fears about things like that, especially with that, that history. I would say, I think that we need to do a better job and the Trump administration has done a really, really poor job of this, uh, uh, of getting out a PR campaign for this virus, uh, for this vaccine. I mean, I keep calling it the virus, uh, the vaccine and, and, and letting people know, number one, that it's not a government 
Uh, it's not a government thing that's, that's being done here. The government is simply helping uh, it, to get it all out. And um, and so, you know, we have the normal protocols that are there. In addition to that, look at all the people who are taking the vaccine already uh, and, and judge by that, you know, judge by, you know, you're, you're going to go in likely in a group of people you know, and and you're most likely going to be administered this vaccine uh, by people of, you know, very varying races, uh, you know, that, you know, the things that I have seen, there have been various people up there giving out the, you know, at the different locations that are, that are administering the vaccine. Uh, and so, you know, it, and they're all hospital workers, uh, you know, nurses, doctors uh, that, that are administering the thing, uh, you know, private companies set this thing up. Uh, other, so many other people are taking it. And as far as I know, there's only been one, uh, alert, you know, severe allergic reaction to this thing by some, uh, a nurse in, in Alaska. Um, and, you know, which is pretty uh, astounding for this sort of thing. And, and if it has, uh, if it is effective as they claim at 95 some odd percent, then, I mean, we're, we're looking at a, at a pretty quick move here uh, away from this virus, I would say, uh, and and able to, to get ourselves back to some level of normalcy over the course of the next few months. But, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. I, and I've heard it a lot as well. But I just say, you know, look, you know, you look at the people that are, you know, President Obama is going to take this publicly. Uh, you know, uh, there there's so many other people that, you know, famous people and, you know, political uh, figures that are going to take it. So I think that should should sway some people and ease some of those fears. I listen, I get it. I, I did stories and, and interviewed Fred Gray uh, many times about the, the Tuskegee syphilis uh, ordeal. Right. Um, and so I, I understand that, man. I mean, I, I, I get it completely there. It, it's, I just think that it's a, um, you know, this is kind of a different setup, um, you know, and, 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 you know, here's the alternative. You know, this has disproportionately affected African American communities uh, badly. Right, the virus, yeah, uh, the virus yeah, has, the virus yeah. has. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I think the alternative is uh, is is far worse than than what the vaccine is. And that's and that's essentially what I said to him. I said, you know, you're sort of faced with two two uh, basic alternatives. One is roll the dice on the virus. Or roll the vi- dice on the vaccine, you know. And you know, if you roll the dice on the virus, you know, uh, you're, you know, I would say, okay. Uh, well, I'll just use myself as an example. I know for a fact that I've been exposed to the virus itself at least three times. Mm-hmm. Three times, uh, people that I know tested positive. Um, and, and nothing, you know, so far, knock on wood, and this is me hitting on my head here, knock on wood. So Mm -hmm. far, nothing has, you know, I haven't gotten it. Uh, now I also, you know, I take zinc every day. I take elderberry every day. I take, uh, black seed, all of which are immune boosting kinds of supplements. Uh, I work out. I try to get my rest. I drink a lot of water. I mean, I do a lot of things and and I limit my exposure to to the general public. I mean, I you mm-hmm. can't nobody can be, well, I won't say nobody, but it's difficult in this day and time to be completely free of of exposure to people, but I limit my contact with people. So, I think all of that has benefited me, but but again, you know, it's still a roll of the dice. You yeah. know, so Yeah. 
You know, I just yeah. I see it as I think I see it as we, you know, as you just said. I mean, it's it's one or the other basically, and and we are we meaning black people are being disproportionately affected, and 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 that, but we're not being exclusively affected, and that's I think yeah. the other part of this that people right. have to factor in when they talk about these conspiracies, especially from a racial standpoint. White people are dying of this thing too. Mm-hmm. This isn't just killing black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, there's some argument about the long term effects and not knowing what the long term effects of the of the vaccine will be. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'll say I've read a bunch of stuff about this and about how this vaccine works, um, and and the likelihood of there being long term effects from from this is virtually nil. Um, and, you know, and not to mention the alternative again is the coronavirus, uh, here. And, and we know right. that there, there have already shown to be some long-term effects, uh, from getting coronavirus that, that will affect a lot of people who've had this thing for the rest of their lives. Um, and so listen, I, I, I know, I know it's, it's hard to trust and, and we are, uh, and especially in this country, we are so untrusting of the government and, and for good reason. And I, and listen, in the black community, I don't, I don't know how the black community ever trusts anybody at any time ever. I, don't, I have no idea how that how y'all trust anybody. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, yeah. you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, the one thing that I think we, the, the black community would probably agree with me on on this is that white people are not going to hurt themselves. So, it's, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we have a long right. history of doing things that really help ourselves. And so this is a uh, long history of self-preservation <laughs> exactly, at the expense exactly. of others and especially so, yeah. at the expense of others. Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. So we will and enslave so you, we'll steal time, your y'all land, y'all we'll do whatever we have to do. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all get on in on this one. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if there were a choice, you know, if there were a good Right. One vaccine for white people and one for black people. Well, then people. I would be the first to tell y'all: do not take that vaccine. All right, right? Because yeah. at best yeah, exactly. it's just water. Okay, uh, so yeah. uh, but listen, it's uh, yeah. But no, we're, everybody's taking the same thing. I think we're going to be okay uh, here. But uh, well, I, I I really I really hope that uh, we can uh, we can start to trend this thing downward. Uh, again, I, I'm really kind of worried about what the next few weeks are going to look like uh, around here, um, you know, with a, a Kay Ivey who's just gone uh, Republican crazy uh, again and uh, I guess trying to get back some some street cred, Republican street cred is the only thing I can figure. I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, you know, the not closing things, the uh, you know, just uh, want the schools to open. I, I just, I don't know what in the world, you know, anymore, well, man. Well, now in her, in her defense, I want to say two things. And, and it's, it's rare that you're going to hear me ever defending a conservative Republican on anything because <clears throat> our values just don't line up. But in her defense, two things. One, to her credit, she has been pushing back hard on the people in our state, the conservatives on our state, who uh, are refusing uh, or, or trying to uh, dismantle and or just disobey the mask mandate. She's been pushing back hard on them on that. In fact, we know that Judge Roy Moore and some other people just lost uh, a legal battle related to that. And they should have lost. They should have lost. So that, I give I give her credit for for taking a stand on that. 
The other uh, thing just, I'll just give her credit quick, for that, that opinion from from the federal court. Uh, <laughs> that opinion from the federal court, man, was one of the funniest slapdowns of uh, of a filing that I have ever seen. It was essentially like a law school professor took a first year law student and said, "This is not how any of this works." Okay, right. I mean, exactly. it was line after. You don't ever see that. You don't ever see how they went went line after line saying, "Okay, look." In, in the first place, this is not how this works. In the right. second place, if you even if that worked, this right. wouldn't work. And the third, I mean, they, they went well, down he, like eight different things. Yeah, well, he called it a shot. There's a legal term for it: shotgun. Yeah, shotgun approach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, shotgun filing. Yeah, just basically where it's. I mean, the way I interpreted it as a layman is they just took a bunch of stuff and threw it against the wall to see what would stick. Uh, a know? lot of it, yeah, and they and they left out all sorts of uh, of uh, legal process in in this uh, to that you have to that you have to follow in order to do this. And, and a part of it you know, was naming naming why you have been harmed, uh, identifying the, the person who has harmed and identifying the person who was doing the harming. Uh, you know, I mean, just basic legal concepts that, that go into a filing and they didn't do, they didn't do any of it. They just basically, uh, you know, I, I can't remember how it was described in there, but, but essentially it was, you, you were mad about something. And so you filed a complaint in court that didn't meet any of the standards <laughs> of filing a complaint. Uh, but I mean, this, it, listen, it's the foundation for moral law. They're not actual lawyers. They're grifters who are just trying to take your money. That's all Roy Moore has ever been, and that's all he'll ever be. Well, it seems like he and Donald Trump follow the same blueprint, basically, 100%. which is you set up, you set up these, uh, these uh, foundations or organizations where you say you're raising money for one thing, but really all you're doing is just uh, making a living for yourself the way you want to. I yeah, think that's yeah, all if, Trump is doing, you know, right now. You know, yeah, same, yeah, same if, if Trump were banned right. from malls, he would be the same person, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So I, I, that'll uh, that'll that'll wrap up the open here for us, I think. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna slide out and uh, and get uh, we have a special Christmas treat uh, for you. We we promised Chris England, uh, uh, the uh, Alabama Democratic Party chairman. Uh, quite some some weeks back, and he was busy, and we couldn't ever get kind of together on the thing. But we got him now, uh, and uh, so we're going to slide him in. And uh, when we come back and, and talk about the party, the future, uh, you know, make fun of some Republicans, and, uh, and and I think we we should have some fun with that. So that's it for right now. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. We are happily joined now by the chairman of the Alabama Democratic Party, uh, Representative Chris England. Uh, Mr. England, first of all, welcome in. We're we're so, uh, I know we had you before, but we're really happy that you were able to take a few minutes this week. Uh, I know things are are busy, and so uh, welcome in and, and thank you. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, our first opportunity, uh, I guess, after COVID. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Yeah. During COVID, rather. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the, the world has changed since our previous conversations uh, uh, dramatically. And that's what we've talked about, actually, in the whole uh, open of the show was uh, just, you know, how much uh, things have changed and, and how hopeful we are that there's some light at the end of this tunnel now. And, um, you know, and, and really, though, I, I'll tell you this, uh, to me, what has happened with this thing has, has exposed, first of all, the very short, uh, many shortcomings of, of this state uh, and the governance of this state under Republican control. Um, and it has exposed, uh, the, I, I would say a lack of care. Uh, from from Republicans, when you look at what their priorities have been uh, from the state level to the national level, uh, I would say that a lot of people have had their eyes opened to what they care about. Uh, and I think the Democrats could could probably capitalize on some of that just by you know, it's a it's a very in your face uh, example of the differences of the two parties. Oh, yeah. Um to a certain degree, you've seen also a, a, a breakdown of like, so, you know, year, as we go from year to year and we create budgets, there's nothing that indicates your priorities better than what you spend your money on, right? And the inability to determine what's the most important thing for, let's just say, the people versus businesses versus the government itself. And you kind of see these priorities sort of break down, right? So like, look at our general fund budget, for example. The biggest fight that we had this session wasn't necessarily over what we were going to spend coronavirus money on. It was basically who was going to spend it. That was the first. (laughs) And then it sort of broke down from there. But one thing that was kind of, it's been kind of interesting is as we tried to figure out a way to spend this two point, the billions of dollars that we've gotten from the coronavirus is all the things that have happened underneath the surface that nobody's paid attention to. For mm-hmm. example, uh, while we get two point some odd billion dollars from the government to spend on for coronavirus issues and, and, and those, those priorities, the, at the same time, we're getting ready to spend $2.8 billion on prisons, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Oh. And then all of my all of my Republican colleagues have been just up in arms about masks and uh, restrictions on businesses, right? But they haven't really said much about the. I mean, there will be a case study on the executive order power that the governor has used that has expanded government beyond anybody's imagination. So, like, we're arguing about masks, right? Mm-hmm. Do we realize that the governor changed uh, election date through an executive order? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're arguing about, about restrictions on businesses, right? <laughs> but are we going to, is anybody ever going to point out that the governor created immunity for businesses through an executive order? Oh. I mean, extended tax benefits or ex- economic incentives to businesses through an executive order? I mean, created citations in lieu of arrests on minor misdemeanor offenses, a bill that I've sponsored and Republicans have sponsored for several years and was killed. She she got it done through an executive order and nobody said a word, Um, created video notaries, uh, allowed businesses and city councils and county commissions to meet by Zoom. I mean, literally changed 
Alabama government with a stroke of a pen and all the Republicans that don't like big government or executive decision-making power have not said a word about it. It's amazing to me. Is it, I, I guess the, the, the pushback for, I know from the governor's office, and I think it's probably fair is we couldn't wait for a lot of these things because yeah, because it, it, we, we've heard from the leadership of the legislature, all, again, all Republicans, that they weren't coming back in. They weren't going to take up any of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, and, and to that end, um, incentives were uh, extended and um, uh, created the immunity. And there's one more thing that she did in this most recent iteration of an executive order, all designed to prevent us from going back, call for no, no special session so we could not do anything about our prison plan. Um, so, yeah, no, this is like, this has been the, the, the emergency powers that the governor has used throughout the last seven, eight months um, have revealed that, as you said, um, there are some significant holes, like, a, like abyss-sized holes in our ability to govern that um, the the coronavirus has exposed because I, you know, it's funny. It's going to be like, we're going to go back in the session. And I'll, I'll get a bill and introduce several things that we've lived with and not complained about for the last nine months. And the bills will die just like they've been dying uh, for the last five or six years. Right. Mm-hmm. There have been several things that have been identified through our coronavirus spending that has been important, whether it be expanding healthcare access in rural areas uh, creating exceptions for doctors and nurses outside of the state to come in and practice without having to go through the normal procedure, which mm-hmm. we've determined needed to be done in, a net, in, a, in, a, in an emergency. But when these things are starting to kind of curtail and the vaccines are coming out and, and, and the crisis is and it's, it's dramatic, we'll go right back to saying we don't need them. <laughs> but <laughs> to me, things that you do in an emergency and a crisis that you turn to immediately to, to resolve problems ought to be things you do every day. You know, mm-hmm. but we'll go right back to uh, this whole notion of conservative, limited government that the governor has blown a hole in these last eight months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I, I, it it just um, you know it, it it is really frustrating um, for for me, a progressive person like myself, and I know David as well, and uh, to watch this place continue to eat itself you know i mean continue to just i mean like that today i mean we're uh you tommy tuberville's little thing they caught him on camera saying he's going to join mo brooks in this challenge or whatever and 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 i understand he, he look he says idiotic things because the people that follow him love to hear him say idiotic things but you know that's a perfect example of of what you know i've been saying for so long is you gave up doug jones a man who was trying, you know, and, and, and cared about the job and wanted to do a good job and was knowledgeable and professional. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, as far as I know, the best senator that I've had, that we've had in this state since I've been alive. Uh, and you gave that up for this clown. I mean, not even a, you know, not a, not a qualified person, but Tommy Tuberville. And uh, it's just basically a bag of cliches and, and things. And, and that is so indicative of where we are and, and what's going on in this state. Well, I mean, it, it also reflects such a, a situational respect for the institutions that many people claim to be are, are fundamental to American democracy. So like 
anybody will tell you. You go to a doctor's office, for example, the first thing that anybody is concerned about when they go to a doctor's office is how credible and, and, and also how confident you are in that person's ability to perform surgery. Or mm-hmm. when, you're, when your kid goes to the school, you want to, you're concerned about the competence, the energy, the motivation, uh, all those things because you're concerned about who teaches your child or who's a police officer and so forth. But all of that flies out of the window when we elect a city. The most important person, um, all of a sudden, qualifications and competence doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. I I just need you to agree with me on several issues, like my litmus test, and I don't care about your actual ability to do the job. One of the most important people in the state of Alabama um, we're not really necessarily concerned about their ability to actually be a U.S. senator. To that end, it becomes more and more difficult to believe somebody when they when, when they tell me that they're really concerned about what direction the country is going in, or really concerned about the quality of the leadership. When you had an opportunity, you just threw that all out of the window. To that point, the one of the first things that Senator-elect Tuberville could potentially do as a senator is vote to undermine an election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like well, the well. So that mean that was that could potentially be one of his first official acts as a as a senator, a newly elected senator from the state of Alabama. Well, and this and this is why I think. Uh, while I appreciate the richness of the uh, the highly cerebral analysis you and Josh have been engaging in, one of the uh, most Chris, important people. In the let's state just—I of of think you guys are over intellectual. We're not really necessarily this is, concerned this is what about it is. their ability This is what to defines politics be now. A U.S. senator. To that end, do you it becomes more embody more and symbolize when they, when, when they tell me uh, the best hope to really preserve and promulgate white nationalism and white really supremacy, or about do you the not? The leadership. When you had Doug Jones, you just did not embody that. To Doug that Jones point, passed the, one of the uh, first bills that supported HBCUs. That Doug Jones was open, though I don't think he was effective enough. He wasn't open engaging with black voters and and others. Uh, Tommy Tuberville, conversely, was not. Tommy Tuberville's commercial advertising, his his positioning as it relates to President Trump, all signaled to the the vast uh, number of white voters in our state and voters who are who may not be white, but who are inclined to uh, embrace uh, uh, white supremacy and white nationalism, he just signaled to them, hey, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm on your side. You know, I'm for the status quo continuing. And so I think that that's really what it comes down to. All of your your beautiful words and analysis aside, that's really what it boils down to. But I mean, but, but, but all right, but I got a question for you. All right. Is where we are right now really the status quo that we had four years prior to where we are today? Because I would argue that we are, we have actually devolved into a new level of sort of that sort of um, just naked loyalty to that theory. Mm-hmm. Because beforehand, people used to pretend that those things actually mattered. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, it's like, so for example, it would, what would be important for somebody running for office in Alabama, even if they fundamentally didn't believe that every vote should count would be some fundamental uh, respect for the voting rights act. Right. Mm-hmm. So a candidate that would, because even in Republican races in the past, there was uh, just basic lip service given to just basic uh, measures of equality under and equality under the law, right? Mm-hmm. Or a basic respect for an understanding that the Voting Rights Act and the legacy of Alabama is important as you mm-hmm. send to that office. For to now get to a point where someone not only respects a just a disrespect of that legacy but also celebrated in the fact that they didn't know anything about it and that they don't care. And I think we've right. actually reached a different, different status quo now that America is going to spend an inordinate amount of time recovering from uh, what, what is what we've gone through for the last four years. So I would argue that uh, I think when you look at the rhetoric, I think you're exactly right. There's been a devolution in the rhetoric. But but in terms of the functional application of the politics and the policies, ain't nothing changed, brother. It's the same. But what, what, what I'm saying, but you, you, and, I, and to a certain degree, I can agree with you. But the rhetoric also matches the decorum, right? So we mm-hmm. have to we have we we keep a certain level of decorum in our conversations, which protects a certain level of integrity in our uh, discourse. We don't even have that anymore, and like. So the, so so we're we're we've actually taken it beyond where Alabama status quo was an understanding that you know uh, white supremacy white white supremacy and racism was just sort of an unspoken um, part of, of of the fabric of what it what meant to be an Alabamian to now just outright blanket um, uh, just encouraging people to return to a, a certain level of discourse that encourages people to be as violent and as, as, um, I mean, and, and it's just as well, can't, can't even really describe a word for it because think about it. Do mm-hmm. you think that four years ago, prior to president Trump being elected, that we would be having, uh, elected officials openly encouraging civil war? Uh, we've reached that we've reached a well, new low here in our, in our discussion. Yeah. Well, 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 let me, let me say, let me say that that I, I would push back on that and that that's been happening. Uh, for example, when Mo Brooks was, um, I want to say it was when he was a County commissioner in Madison County before being elected to Congress, he openly advocated for the secession of one section of Huntsville from the rest of Huntsville. I do, I do remember that. And I confronted him, I confronted him on my, my old radio show about that, and he tried to deny it, but it was there. Everybody knew he had done that. Right. And, and he was trying to push. So I'm saying to you again, I think where I would agree with you is that I think there is a, certainly the atmosphere is more toxic, the rhetoric is more toxic, and that does present uh, maybe an intensification, that, that's not a right word, the danger has intensified. But in terms of functionality and policy and governing, I don't see a distinction. I think, I think it's been continuously what it's been. No, and I, I, can, see what you, I can see what you mean by that. But, but what I will say, though, is when you had him on the radio show many years ago, mm-hmm. he denied that he ever did it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He ain't denying it now. Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't well, run yeah. from it. He it would right. be wearing it as a badge. Right. Yeah. Right. So our, our, our right. change in the quorum, our change in rhetoric has made these sorts of discussions not only more comfortable, but in, to certain people, beneficial to your uh, ascendance in politics. So like mm-hmm. right now, I mean, you he is literally leading a charge across the country where people aren't outright rejecting the rhetoric are you're just more or less entertaining it to balance the, the the crazy part of their their base to make sure that you know I, I'm still with you guys like mm-hmm. we're okay mm-hmm. but this may you yeah. know nobody even willing to say this is just a bridge too far for me All right so let me let me ask you this if I can um, before you have to go so Democrats around the state and I'm on the Madison County um, uh, Democratic Executive Committee. Democrats around the state are really just frustrated with messaging. You know, we're frustrated with the state party. We're frustrated with the national party. Uh, And this is not a uh, this is not a knock on any one person, because I know one of the the party, the state party's communications guys is somebody I have tremendous respect for. I think he's brilliant. Dexter Strong. But having said that. We are frustrated with the inability of the party on both levels to get out the messaging that we need to get out in order to get people to the polls, specifically black people to the poll. You know, and and this sort of this this ongoing deference that we pay to the unicorn in Alabama politics, which is the mythical white guy who's going to be. M- m- miraculously hey, persuaded. Wait a minute. Well, oh, I'm sorry, Josh. You, you okay? <laughs> Present company excluded. Present company excluded. Uh, the, the the well, let me say the, uh, the 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 myth of the that that there's going to be some huge number of I Joshes and yeah. Joshettes. There's only one <laughs> that are going to that are going to become Democrats. You know, or vote for Democrats. What 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 are we doing about this? All right, that's a that's a great question. And uh, so, for like the last year, uh, from November second of last year to November second of this year, all the way, I was in the office uh, for a year up until this upcoming election, and um, or this past election, and trying to thread that needle that you're talking about, right? Like you know, because if we're going to be an inclusive party that grows, obviously we can't. Uh, we can't uh, offend the base, the loyal base that continues to vote and actually is continuing to grow in numbers to, again, to try to appeal to a very small percentage of people that were, say, that were, were willing to cross over, right? Mm-hmm. So if you noticed in our messaging, we did, we, we attempted to uh, satisfy and, and talk directly to as many different constituencies as possible. We had a digital ad that we pushed that had featured, um, you know, uh, black men talking in a barbershop about, you know, we can't sit this out. We got to go vote. We then had another message where we took uh, uh, a gentleman who was in the heart of Marshall County who talked about the reason why I'm a Democrat is because of health care and was putting a Doug Jones sign in his front yard. And then we led that off, uh, led that off with a, a, a digital ad or ended that off rather up until the election with a digital ad that mentioned taking your protest to the polls and talked about George Floyd and talked about 
how, you know, black people need to engage in the process because of all the things that we've been protesting about all year. So like when you, so we, 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 you know, having to create a message that it's crafted specifically to include as many people without offending a large number of folks while you've got national candidates, whether it be Doug or people running for Congress or whoever, who are spending an inordinate amount of money to get that very small crossover vote too, it means that the, that the overall message from the candidate may not match what the Democratic Party is doing underneath that under, underneath the candidate's campaign. But the interesting thing about Alabama and what we did in this past election cycle, which was fantastic in my opinion, uh, is that we had a we had a U.S. Senator and Doug Jones who went to the Senate floor and said Black Lives Matter, which for the first time in our history, we were able to open up a door and touch that third rail about and have a direct conversation with our folks about race and then have you trying to create a meaningful relationship. So we're not just kind of talking the rhetoric uh, and just giving you lip service about equal justice and law and so forth. We're actually telling you as a constituency within a democratic party that your life matters, which ultimately also means your vote matters. So we now in a year's time, there's really no way to make up that difference. And to create a genuine connection with voters to so that they don't say that we're just gratuitously using something to attract them to go vote. And then we're just going to abandon them. We don't have that track record because Democratic Party in Alabama for a long time, there's really wasn't much difference between a conservative Democrat, an Alabama Democrat, and what you would consider a just a normal average of Republican. Right. So our messaging now has to incorporate a growing Loyal, a base that's been loyal and actually start focusing on creating more of those voters and at the same time create enough, enough of a message to say that the Democratic Party still is for you. But make no mistake about it, we will not be a party that makes bigots, racists, white supremacists, white nationalists comfortable just for the sake of saying we've got your vote. We can't do that anymore. And it's, it's, it's a losing is, is a losing proposition to continue to feed that and abandon the growing numbers of people who want to engage but can't really find a reason to. So we're going for the next for the, to the next election cycle. You're going to see a further move for us to create those new voters that we know are out there who just need a genuine connection to the party to know that we're just not reaching for your vote. Your issues matter. Your uh, platform matters, and you're going to be a part of creating whatever we work towards in 2022. You know, in, in terms of of getting that out to people uh, and and spreading that message around, letting letting it be known. I mean, first of all, I think what you probably need is a, is a really good podcast that you dump a lot of money into from the party. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, just I mean, thousands of dollars a month. I think you should you should probably do that first and foremost. First thing, January twenty twenty one. I think that's where you need to go. Uh, but second. <laughs> Yeah, and just you know, any podcast. Well, if one comes to mind, but it's funny yeah. you say that though, Josh, because for for so long, um, you know, it's I, I look online, look at social media, and the mainstream media is always being cast as this this you know liberal operative of of, of the of the Democratic Party, but mm-hmm. in Alabama, it is the exact opposite. All right, the the our, yeah. our, 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 our mainstream media is more or less an echo chamber from our conservative. Uh, from the conservative mm-hmm. side, 
So there yeah. really hasn't ever really been, as you said, some other perspective within yeah. that chamber to kind of give our folks a place to talk and listen. You know what I mean? Right. No, I know exactly. And so that, that was one of the one of the real reasons that, that we started this uh, was was because I think one of the problems that we've had for so long is Republicans have done an excellent job of of shutting out the other voices. And, and I don't necessarily think it was an intentional sort of a thing. They just created spaces for their people to go in and share their ideas and their points of view. And they, they funded radio programs and they fund, you know, they funneled money. I mean, if you think people, uh, you think that the Dale Jackson's and, and Matt Murphy's and people of the world are actually getting, living off the advertising, get out of here. I mean, they're, you know, it, it's being funded by these people that are doing this, the Yellowhammer news sites, you know, those sorts of things that, that created these voices. Uh, and, and as they started to get noticed on those radio shows and on those websites, they started to bleed over. I mean, it's why Terry Lathan and keeps getting quoted in you know news articles from AL.com and the Montgomery Advertiser and everywhere else is because she became sort of a, a mainstream figure by these things. And so that's one of the things we wanted to do was there were a lot of people like yourself, uh, you know, I, I mean, Anthony Daniels, all the candidates, you know, we, we, there, there's so many people that never get heard from in this state that have good ideas, you know, and I think if, if we could build that out, then I think, and I think if you look at what Stacey Abrams and the, and that was going to be my question was, is there, is there things, other things that, that you can learn from what they were able to do in Georgia, building on the suburbs around Atlanta and other things uh, there that, that can be copied here, or are we a totally different animal? I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, it, it, Atlanta is a monster in and of itself. It is a political machine that can change statewide elections. And it's it demonstrated that this past election. And I think it's possibly going to do it again on January the 5th. So, you know, Atlanta's kind of a, 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 a beast in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But here in Alabama, like, you know, I, I don't think it should be lost on anyone. That despite there was really no difference between the messaging from the conservative Democratic side and the Republicans, that it still took the Republicans over 100 years to cycle into this sort of uh, political dominance in Alabama, right? Right. So, but if you think about it, I can't go into different parts of Alabama that are communicated to by some mainstream media in Alabama where an opposing message is a normal thing that they hear. So every two to four years, when you go to these places, you're not only reintroduce, you're not only introducing a candidate, but you're also reintroducing a platform that people really don't have any concept of. Because mm-hmm. in Alabama, what you really hear more so than anything else is what the dominant party wants you to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, with all the dominant, the, 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 for the many years that the Democratic Party was the, had basically supermajority legislature and had all the had all the offices up and down the ticket. That there was never there was never an opportunity in that time frame where that those folks used that bully pulpit to push a message. They used the bully pulpit to push a candidate. So when that candidate was no longer there, then it didn't matter who was pushing the message. It could be a Republican or a Democrat because for years there was never a narrative about I'm a Democrat. I'm not just Jimmy from. I'm not Jimmy from the corner store, right? Right. So if one of the things that we've got to invest a lot of time, resources, you know, into a podcast, maybe 
but <laughs> but to, to to work to create that narrative that there is an opposing voice in Alabama that everybody can hear, not just not just a select few. When you go to Huntsville, Montgomery, Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, not in Tuscaloosa, but really just down the I sixty five corridor down to Mobile, because yeah. those you know we if you look at a map, Alabama Democrats do well down the sixty five corridor. Mobile, Montgomery, Birmingham, and Huntsville, mm-hmm. where we're getting swapped is those rural areas where a turnout is low, one, and two, um, we just don't have the messaging power that our, our, our opponents do, our opposition does. So if, what if we're going to do what we're going to do, and if Georgia's going to happen in Alabama, first and foremost, we have to create new voters. Um, yeah. And then we have to create a meaningful relationship with those new voters so they're not just they're not voting because we think they told them to. They're voting because they agree with us, and they and we, we feel like they feel like they're part of what we're doing. But we've also got to invest a substantial amount of resources in creating a brand new narrative that reaches outside of our urban area. Yeah, I, I, I agree with with all of that, and I, I know we've we've kept you a little long here, and so I'll get you out. And, uh, but uh, it, it's listen, it, it is. Yeah, I know it's hard, man. I, you know, uh, I've had this conversation. I had them, you know, with uh, with you, with with Anthony Daniels, with a lot of you know the Democrats around about you know what to do, and uh, it's a it's a tough nut to crack. But I believe, if anything, uh, while we may be different, I think Georgia does show us that there's hope uh, there, and uh, you know, and, and so that we know that there's a pathway forward. We know there's light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, what we needed was, I think, somebody smart to get in and take the job. And I think we have that now uh, as the chairman here. Uh, you well, know, yeah, this, well, listen, hey, look, uh, I, you know, after you ask for the money, you got to then, you know, throw in the praise. So, you know, that's, that's all part of the plan. <laughs> so, no, I, 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 but I've always said that. I've said it in print. I've said it a long time before that. So that, this is not anything new at all. Uh, but I think we are headed in that right direction. Um, and, you know, I, I think that w- no matter where you are, surely people can agree that the government works best when there are two viable parties there to go back and forth with one another, reach compromises. Uh, you know, I would prefer if we were going to have a majority, of course, that it be Democrats because I think they actually care about people. But, you know, if we can't at least have two viable parties there, surely, surely that is something that people can, can agree with. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Well, um, I, I think we're going to have a, a four year. We're going to have to, a very difficult time recovering from the last four years. Mm-hmm. And as we wear some of the remnants of rewarding just bad behavior off and stop having a contest of who can say the craziest thing in, in, in the most ridiculous way. Uh, it's going to take a minute for that to wear off because as you can see, we're still in Alabama rewarding that behavior right now. Um, so uh, it's why you get an attorney general um, who's who takes political stances and sacrifices the fundamental responsibilities of his job on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, again, believing that that will reward him down the road. Uh, so we, we, you know, as Democrats and as Alabamians, regardless of, of political party, have to make sure and hold our elected officials accountable so there's a basic respect for the functions of the position where the person is doing the job that they have instead of working towards trying to get the next job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, those two things cannot work well together. You cannot do your current job 
while you're trying to get another one. They don't work well together. Mm-hmm. No, you're right about that. And, and listen, Chris, yeah. I, we, I appreciate you, man, uh, coming on. And I know, I know what you're up against. And uh, so we're, we're, uh, you know, and, we're trying to help. We're we're doing our part uh, because we God knows we got to do something here, man. Uh, so, uh, but, but keep uh, having the tough conversations and asking the hard questions. And, and and again, that messaging piece where we're trying to figure out how to do that, it, it can't create. It cannot be created in a silo. It has to be created through conversation. So you have to be able to say, well, identify where we were what we were doing wrong up until this last election cycle, so we can fix it. And they can't be afraid to have those conversations. But we also cannot be afraid as a Democratic Party to tell people that we are not we are no longer going to be a haven for bigots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we we also we also have got to stop apologizing for being Democrats. Uh, amen. Uh, and yeah. And so I think that's a that's another good thing. And make it make make being Democrats popular again. Maybe we should make up hats for that. Or make something. it cool so, again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make Democrats cool again. Hey, uh, that is uh, Chris England, the chairman of the Democratic Party and uh, one fine state representative who embarrasses a lot of people on the floor a lot of times. And so we uh, I, we really appreciate you coming around and uh, and spreading some intelligence and some conversation. And, uh, and, and thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Welcome back, Alabama Politics this week. Uh, good conversation with uh, with Chris England, and I know uh, one of their one of their big supporters, one of our big yes, supporters, yes. Uh, AFL CIO uh, Union Places. Uh, yeah, and and you know what, I was going to get into there. Um, I feel like that's if we want to talk about uh, one of the major topics, I think, or major talking points uh, that you could use to attract everybody and not offend really anybody. I think, you know, protections and improvements for the working class people of this state, uh, I think is that I I don't think that conversation can start uh, without talking about unions. Uh, and and the protections that they bring for workers and workers' wages, uh, and for essentially a better life for ninety some odd percent of this state, um, I think uh, you know I think we were a much more prosperous state from top to bottom uh, back when we had unions uh, in this in this state. At, you know, I think right now we're still one of the uh, we, we're still one of the states cool. with the highest percentage of unions around. But uh, oh really. Yeah, I want to say we're like twelfth, twelfth in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean for a for a place that prides itself, you know, government wise, right. uh, on being a at work state. Uh, you know, we are uh, we we still we still do a lot of union work here, and there are a lot of proud union people, and the AFL CIO uh, supports them all and backs them up and makes sure that you have laws and things that protect the unions and protect the workers. Um, and you know. I I have always been that this has been a natural sort of thing for me to to do ads for them uh, for this I'm I'm so really appreciative that they are I, I would hate it right. if it was somebody that I didn't really know anything about or anything that I wasn't behind but uh, I mean you know I'd still do it because I'm a whore like that but I mean but you know it was. <laughs> 
I'm uh, completely kidding. I'm completely <laughs> kidding. One, one of the rules, I swear to God, one of the rules that I always had in radio uh, when we did this stuff, and I told them early on was, I will never yeah, promote yeah. anything that I don't use and like. Uh, so if you wanted me to, if you wanted me to uh, promote your TV, you know, provider service or whatever, uh, you had to give it to me for, I mean, I would pay for it, but I had to use it for a little while, uh, before I would tell people it was good. Uh, and so, and that's, a, you know, the same way here with this. I, I'm not necessarily in a union. Uh, I would love to be in one, uh, at some point. And, uh, I would love to be the union leader. I want to be the union boss. You know, you want to be a union boss? I do. I do. do you? Want, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sort of, that's a, because uh, that's you a want. You want to be able to call shots and and yeah. hand out penalties and mm-hmm. reward your friends. That's what that's I want to. I want to. No, I want to feel like I want to feel like every day that I have helped real working class people better their lives and and sustain their families and um and and, and you know create something that that helps them live live good lives where they don't have to worry when they go to sleep at night. Well, I love that. And and of course, you don't have to be a union boss to do that. You can just join a union, sure, be part sure. of a union, and, and by virtue of supporting a union, you can accomplish all that. But see, mm-hmm. when you said boss, I just saw... I just, I could almost see the, the lust for power just dripping off of your, you know, drooling down your, 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 your chin there, Josh. And, and so that's what no, I was, that's no, no. what Listen, piqued my interest. I do not want to be buried in metal ends, uh, at the, you know, in, in the end zone of the stadium. That's not what I'm looking for here. Okay. I don't, I don't want that. Uh, I just, I just, we don't know I, anything about that. We don't know anything uh, about that. We don't right, know what right. you're talking allegedly, about. Allegedly, you know, allegedly. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I just want to. I, I think that because, honestly, you know, and it's not surprising, uh, you know, the mouthpieces of the, the, the rich and wealthy corporations and uh, things, they, they painted unions with this broad brush uh, of, of being against, you know, whatever, free market or you know, however they wanted to paint it uh, to, to get people to vote against their own interests. And, and I think. That was very unfair, and I think people are slowly starting to realize now, uh, you know, the benefits of that. And I, it just is a uh, to me, it, it's 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 something that I, I see as a way out of the current situation where CEOs are making six hundred times what the average worker is, uh, and you know, there used to be a pride in saying, "Hey." Yeah, we all worked on this together. Yeah, I make a little more money than him, but I'm going to make sure that guy who who gave this to me and made this business successful, I'm going to make sure he and his family are kept up. Uh, you know, and there's not that anymore. It's not it's whatever you can squeeze out of the employees but to make the bottom line look better. So the stockholders who've done nothing, you know, get a little extra bump or a, another dividend. Hey, it's, you know, stop it. And so anyway, uh, AFLCO, um, uh, we, we appreciate them. Yeah. All right. So, and that uh, that kind of gets me also into into what we wanted to talk about with the status of our current stimulus talks. Uh, as we sit here today, uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, we are looking as though there is going to be another stimulus package passed by Congress. Uh, looks to be somewhere in the nine hundred billion dollar range. Um, and and again, you know, I, I like like Chris England said. What you pay for indicates your priorities. Where you spend your money indicates your priorities. Um, and I would just encourage people to look 
at what the priorities are for Democrats versus what the priorities are for Republicans. And you then decide who has your interests in mind. Is it the guys who are saying, listen, our people are struggling out here and we got to give them some money. The the $1,200 payments that we sent out earlier this year staved off a for sure recession. Uh, the unemployment compensation, the enhanced unemployment compensation that we sent out staved off a for sure recession uh, when we gave that to those people. And all of it went right back into the local economies uh, where these folks lived uh, because they had to buy things to sustain themselves and their families. Um, and in addition to that, the moratoriums on uh, evictions and uh, mortgage foreclosures saved a housing crisis in this country that I mean a for sure housing crisis that many economists said were coming. If not for that, uh, those are about to expire as well. And so you have all you have. This is what these are the the things that the Democrats are are fighting for, in addition to uh, the small business things being actually limited to small businesses and not mega churches uh, and, and, and billionaire corporations. That's what is on the table there for the Republicans. Uh, their their items that they have to have are liabilities to prevent people from suing for being forced into unsafe work environments where they get sick or die, uh, and and being able to shut down financial cares act centers. Uh, and you know, I I don't know what to do, man. I don't know how to how to explain it to anybody anymore. Well, I I, I think I hate to say it, but on this I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to just be completely pessimistic and say that because people have another set of priorities that have nothing to do with their own well-being or the well-being of their families and their neighbors, you know, there's this sort of false sense of political piety that we're dealing with here. Like there's some virtue in, um, you know, voting uh, not voting for Democrats or not voting for certain kinds of policies because of what it symbolizes, you know. Uh, and so, unfortunately, that's what we're left with, Josh. And I mean, I think, you know, we just thank God there's a there's a growing number of younger people, millennials and post-millennials, who I think are getting it. They're seeing you know, there's something wrong with this this system and this way of thinking. And so they are moving slowly their elders away from some of these crazy traditional ways of thinking. But until they continue to, until they get to the point where they are, are impacting the vote, this is just what we're going to, this is going to be our struggle every week. You and I are going to be facing this struggle as we do this podcast. David, I, I really needed you to be more optimistic than that. Uh, but, uh, uh, no, I, listen, I, I know, man, I, you know, I'm banging my head against the yeah. wall, uh, here, uh, with this. And, uh, I it just, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand the mindset that, that goes into, um, you know, I, I, it's like, I give you another, you know, representatives, uh, Katie Porter, AOC, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders for the most part, you know, they have been vilified by regular voters in this state. You know, and 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 I I have conversations with people all the time, and I'll say, uh, okay, all right, well, what does she, what does she say, or what does he say that that you disagree with? 
And well, it's all socialism. And I was like, okay. I said, so what? What social? What specifically are you talking about? You know, and and inevitably, there's never really a good answer to that. But it, you know, it ends up being a lot of things that have been kind of misconstrued and stuff. And I said, and I tell them all, you know, if you if you actually took away the name of the person saying these things, and I said them to you, it would be a lot like when the Affordable Care Act came out and it was called Obamacare and 70% or whatever of Alabamians were against the Obamacare was against Obamacare, but 70% uh, or better were for the Affordable Care Act. You know, I mean, when you, when you actually broke down the provisions of the Affordable Care Act and told people what was in it, everybody like, yeah, well, okay. Yeah. I like that. You know, producing conditions and uh, yeah, yeah. Bimp stand on the insurance for a while. Yeah. Make sure, you know, no, no overcharges. Yeah. We love all that. Well, that's Obamacare. Well, I hate that, you know, and that's just, and that, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know. I can't, if you, if I can't reason with you, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what to do anymore. You know, I don't know what to do. If I can't reason with you, I don't know what to Mm do. Well, let's, let's, let's find some solace in this, Josh. It's not just Alabamians. I mean, I think I'd seen uh, Jimmy Kimmel or somebody do some man on the street interviews out in California with pretty much Uh the same result. So we're not, we're not the only state that is infected with that virus. There are other people that are infected with that virus, too. Well, we seem to be spreading it a lot more. I got <laughs> oh, the Alabamification <laughs> of the nation. Is that what we're talking yeah. about here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, and it spreads a lot easier in this state than it does in others, apparently. I don't know. Maybe it's the heat. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the heat. But listen, I, you know, so we don't. Maybe maybe we shouldn't end on a pessimistic right. note, right. you know, and and go and go. I mean, because we are we are going to get out of here and go, and it's going to be Christmas yes. time, and you know, maybe some people will listen while they travel around and go to great big family gatherings over Christmas. But uh, where they will socially distance. I'm and- joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I. I, I know that uh, oh, that's, that's not what people are going to do. Masks. Uh, people are going to be safe. People are going to listen. I, and I, I believe I believe a lot of people, while uh, there are going to be some mm-hmm. idiots out there, uh, there are going to be some morons that, that do crazy things. And I see a lot of them uh, when I've been going around, you know, doing some shopping the last few mm-hmm. weeks um, that, that are out. I, I went I went to Walmart the other day at, to pick up an item there that I had to go to pick up. And. Mm-hmm. I got. I walked in behind people who were not wearing masks. Nobody said a mm. word. Nobody stopped mm. them. Nobody did anything. And how, these people were. Let me just say, if you were COVID looking for a meal, <laughs> that is so hilarious. These are that the people. Is so hilarious. <laughs> this is the meal COVID you would have. For okay, a meal. that is hilarious. Yeah, if you were COVID, they had all the th- all the tasty things that COVID likes. So go okay? ahead. What, what's the uh, list, Josh? What would COVID What would COVID want to eat? I, you know, I listen. I'll leave that up to your imagination. <laughs> I'm just going to say they were not the healthiest okay. people that you okay. could see. Okay, okay. Um, not putting anybody down, not shaming anybody. Yeah. I'm just saying, um, if you had asthma. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't go hang out with a bunch of bees, and this is what essentially they were doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, or, or if you had a, a bee sting allergy, you wouldn't go and, and hang out with a bunch of bees. And that's that's basically what they were doing uh, in in this particular uh, Walmart. But uh, yeah, so these people have uh, they have everything the COVID uh, would want. Yeah. So, um, but uh, 
anyways, so I said we were going to I said we were going to get out of here on a uh, on a on a more positive note. I don't know what more positive note we could get out of here on than the right wing note of the week. Um uh so <laughs> Uh, I, and I don't know who else we could award it to, but Tommy Tuberville. Um, and, um, you know, I, I kind of figure, you know, I, I think we all knew that, that Tommy was going to be an embarrassment at some point. Uh, I don't know that we figured it would be quite this fast, but, uh, he was caught on tape in an event in Georgia, some sort of a rally, uh, over there for the Senate races that are taking place. Uh, he was caught on tape over there telling people that he was going to challenge the, uh, the elections. He would, he would join Mo Brooks and be Mo Brooks's, uh, uh, Senate challenger. Um, I, you know, this is after Mitch McConnell has said that, uh, he didn't want anybody to, to step out on that limb. Uh, I, hmm. I don't know what to do. Well, with man. you know, like he said, we, we knew that his, we, we knew that his, his tenure was going to be uh, less than stellar because his candidacy was less than stellar. So that pretty much tipped us off. So we knew that. And then, of course, he aligned himself so blatantly with Trump and so adamantly with Trump that that was another another clue. So we'll just see, you know, unfortunately, this is the this is the burden we must bear as Alabamians. Now, fortunately, we have a senior senator, yeah. U.S. Senator Richard Shelby, who, uh, as I understand it, has been uh, very silent on this issue. And that speaks volumes to me. Mm-hmm. His silence speaks volumes. And I think that's a clear indication that uh, while we may have a right wing nut job uh, as one U.S. senator, we still have an elder statesman who is smart, mm-hmm. strong, disciplined. And while I don't agree with his politics uh, as a general rule, uh, I have to give it to him on just being, I think, a strong, effective leader who who really understands the danger that uh, Tuberville presents. I wish he would speak out publicly, but at the very least, his silence is speaking yeah. volumes in the meantime. Well, he he did say uh, today, which is again Thursday, that um, that that he felt it was time to move on. That the people have spoken, uh, the election's over, and uh, so it, you know he is he's at least joined McConnell in saying you know I think McConnell has also said that you know he congratulated uh, Biden uh, and said it was time to move on. And McConnell, you know, like I said, encouraged all the other senators and and actually threatened them uh, to not. Uh, you know, to, to not challenge this and, to, and to let it go and to not try to make, you know, some sort of pandering, you know, statement to, to voters out there over this because it's going to end up costing them. And, uh, you know, and so I, Tuberville is just, um, when you run a campaign that is in, in completely and totally reliant upon one person remaining as president because you've tied yourself so thoroughly to that person uh, with with no other policy ideas, with no other uh, ideas about anything for that matter. I mean, hell, he didn't even know what the Voting Rights Act was, uh, and these Yahoo still voted for him. Um, you know, when you've done that, I guess you don't have any choice but to try to do everything you can to make sure that guy stays president <laughs> because without him, what the hell are you going to do? Well, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess politically that's what's most expedient. But I just wish I wish that somebody would just have the courage. And again, you know, with uh, with again, with Senator Shelby, I wish he had 
I mean, to me, he has nothing to lose. You know, he has absolutely nothing to lose. I wish he right. would just, you know, say it in a way that was, you know, just undeniably, indisputably a rebuke of Mo Brooks and of Tommy Tuberville and anybody else who wants to, you know, get involved in this crazy foolishness, you know? But yeah, I do too. Um, but you know, I think that that would just be our Christmas wishes at this point. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean, really. Uh, but um, yeah, I think we are where we are, and that's how you know that's this is where what we're going to live with until uh, until we figure out a way to move past the the idiocy of of you know I, I think what if uh, you know I, I agree with with both uh, you and and Chris I think uh, you're right in saying that this is something that uh, you know the, the way things are now has always been lying right there right at the surface uh, but you know I also agree I agree with Chris in saying that you know a lot a lot of people have been emboldened over the last four years to to really step out uh, and make wild and crazy statements uh, and 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 I think a lot of people have stopped seeing some of this stuff that used to be really really offensive uh, as such and and a deterrent to voting for those people. And mm-hmm. I think until we can move past that, we're still going to get idiots like Tommy Tuberville and uh, and some of these other ones who are out here. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, that's your positive Christmas message. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, enjoy the holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys go out and have fun. Not talking to anybody and being safe in your houses yeah. uh, because we totally mismanaged that virus thing. Uh, but uh, it, it, listen, that, for real, I hope everybody does have uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas, you know, yes. what, uh, Happy Hanukkah, you know, whatever, whatever you celebrate. Kwanzaa. I that, that, yeah, Kwanzaa. Uh, yeah. I hope that it is a, a, a happy time. At, at least you know, is, it, even if you're limited, uh, you know, make make the best out of it. Watch some movies, relax a little bit. And and forget about things for a little while, and and hopefully, hopefully we'll get back and 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 maybe uh, at the start of the new year things will be a little bit better. But we're we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks and and then come back. Sounds good to me, Josh. Man, happy holidays to you and your family, man. Uh, absolutely, David. You and yours as well. Uh, and until you know, a couple of weeks from now, uh, you guys stay safe out there uh, and and do the best you can with what we got. All right, peace.